Hi, what's up? And hello, welcome to the WHLC show. Show, 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 show. Okay, we are recording. Hey, 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 I'm back. Um, this is a really weird podcast. I'm going to tell you now, right, why it's going to be weird for me um, is because I'm doing it through Zoom. So I'm just like, I can see myself in Zoom and I'm just talking to myself because it's a solo cast. <laughs> so I hope it's not too weird for you, but um, maybe if I just minimize this, it will be a little less weird. Oh, you can't minimize while you're recording. Haha, -ha, Zoom's like, stay awkward. Anywho, but really this podcast isn't going to be weird other than that I'm recording on Zoom, only because it's the best uh, sound quality that I can provide. So anywho, it's going to be about Worlds. This is my first time competing at a major tournament called Worlds, <laughs> um, or the World Championship, hosted by the IBJJF or the IBJF as my team likes to call it, um, which is like a, that's too many words, International Brazilian Federation of Jiu-Jitsu. So it is the tournament of all tournaments that people from all around the world sign up to participate in to see who's the best in the world. And it's like kind of a big deal. And I'm kind of scared. <laughs> Not really, but a little bit. Um, so yeah, I'm just going to get into, I wanted to do, I thought it'd be interesting to have like a pre-competition thought stream and then a post-competition thought stream. And it'll be cool to contrast the two. And I'm just going to put them in this podcast all together. So um, should be fun, wild ride. <laughs> Buckle in, it's going to get crazy. Anywho, um, so I'm going to talk about the decision, like the process of deciding to do it which I think is like the first step in any process is choosing to do it, yes or no, right? Um, and then I'm gonna talk about the preparation and that'll include like how I prepared to prepare. So the plan that I made, what I actually did um, and the ups and downs through that process. And then I'm just gonna spill some last minute thoughts I have as I'm five days away and I walk onto this mat and fight some of the best purple belts in the world. Um, pretty excited about it and <laughs> also very nervous, but huge honor for me to even um, do this. And if I get rolled up, then it'll be a great honor. If I am the roller upper, even greater honor. So like we're winning either way in my head. Anywho, so the decision. Whoa, I had been thinking about doing purple belt worlds for a very long time, all the way back to last year. Um, I felt like I'd been competing locally in blue belt tournaments and doing pretty successful or having pretty good success. Lots of mistakes still, but, um, you know, some that my opponents at the time didn't capitalize on. So I came out on top and sometimes that's just how it goes. Um, but I felt like I was in a place where I was becoming a more seasoned blue belt. Um, and I had thought to myself, I was hoping that in the next couple of years that I would be getting my purple belt. Um, so I'd planned that the moment that I got my purple belt or the year that I got my purple belt, that was the time I was gonna do a major tournament. Um, because in my head at the time, 
just where I, where I was with jujitsu and sometimes where I still am to be honest, but I'm, you know, I'm mostly, I'm a hobbyist who likes to compete. That's how I like to, um, you know, outline my relationship to jujitsu at this moment. And I just cannot justify the large expense of training, the large, ex- and not even financially, like time-wise, um, but also the large expense financially to travel all the way across the states and pay for this competition, which is not cheap, and um, you know, register. There's like all these little fees, the food, the lodging. Like it's a big trip. Um, it's a big expense to to go out and do it. So. I just, for some reason, could not justify it at Bluebell. <laughs> I just thought, I was like, I'll just do these cheap little local competitions, um, you know, whenever whenever I can fit them in and then get my competition experience and practice that way, just because nobody cares about Bluebell. Nobody cares about it. I didn't care about it. I'm not sitting there watching Bluebell Worlds. Like, I'm just not, unless I knew somebody who was doing it. But, um, and even just like, I really wanted to be recognized as like a, a, a skilled practitioner, which when you get your purple belt, that's basically kind of what that's saying. Like, you know, you can speak. You maybe still sound like an idiot <laughs> sometimes, but you can speak the language pretty well and be understood um, and respected. And so that's that was a big deal. And I wanted to make, I wanted to have that kind of achievement before pursuing anything else, before, you know, competing and testing it in that sense um, at a larger tournament. So there's a a few factors that kind of kept me from doing it at Blue Belt. Um, And I'm glad I made that choice. I did do a few IBJJFs at White Belt. So I've seen the mats, I've been to their events and done the competition in that kind of style before. So it's nothing, it's nothing new, but um, I'm really, really pumped to, to do it. And um, one of the so there's a lot of back and forth on decision, and that's what I'm getting at. Um, really wanted to do it. And then there was a few factors this year that kind of like kept making me question, like, is this the year? I don't know. So in the beginning of the year, I was a blue belt. I got promoted in the summer and um, in July. And we, this, that, this whole year, 2021 has been literally pure chaos. It's been so much fun, but so freaking insane of like, the amount of change all at once. So to put it into perspective, January and February, those two months, we moved. Um, we moved while we were in Illinois. So the year before that, we moved from Colorado to Illinois. Then we moved from Chicago in Illinois, down south to where I'm from, to Bloomington in Illinois. And then we stayed there for a little while. But while in Bloomington, we moved again because we got these insane neighbors that were like going berserk and cussing all the time and yelling at their dog and potentially hurting it. It was so fucked up. So we left right away. Um, and then, so we, that was January and February where we got this weird neighbor. And we're like, this is sketchy time to go. So we moved in January to February. <clears throat> I had started working in a new setting the year prior and was still in that setting working in the school system. And, uh, we decided that we didn't want to stay in Illinois anymore and started making moves to move to Colorado. Um, and so we moved to Colorado in April, end of April, I believe. And then we stayed with our friends. We didn't have a place to stay in Colorado. So we lived with our friends, Ben and Natalie, um, who are also our coaches and the owners of our gym. And they 
they were moving to California <laughs> the time that we were moving back to Colorado. So it's kind of a pretty chaotic time for everyone. Um, and so then we stayed with them for two months and then we moved back to our apartment. We left when we left Colorado, same apartment, moved back to that in July. And now we are in December. Whoa. So it's been a lot of moving parts and we just got resettled. And then um, to add to some more chaos to the story, we were, uh, I think in August, we both got COVID. Tom got it really, really bad. I got it like half as bad, maybe even a quarter. Like, I think it was maybe three days that it really, really hurt. And then I was just so tired um, after that. So we probably didn't feel recovered until maybe the beginning of September, I would say, because I know his family came down and visited us and we were still bumming. And it was the last week of August when that happened. So Anywho, long story short, it was a wild year. And I was like, maybe this isn't the year that we do this because I feel like we just been getting fucking bowling balls from life, just one after the other, like boom, boom, boom. We're just like, okay, it's fine. But it's been a little crazy. Um, so I wasn't sure about that. And because we had just started feeling better in September, I felt wildly out of shape. Like literally taking a hike, I was like, I'm dead. I'm fatigued and shaky. Like what is going on? So it was a little crazy. That's just walking, right? It shouldn't be that intense. Um, so uh, September, we, after COVID, I had this real, like, I don't know about jujitsu. Like I really questioned jujitsu deeply when I was super duper sick. Like what I need to figure out a better balance with this um, was what I kept thinking in my head. But so that was ironic. And then um, in my in my head, I had kind of just like thrown it out the window. I was like, you know what? It's fine. And the reason why I wanted to do this particular world is because technically it's my last competition as an adult. I'll be 30 next year or turning 30 next year, which will allow me to compete in masters. Um, and so I just, I was like, might as well just send it like <laughs> the one time before um, you turn into a master, you can always still register as an adult. I think half my division is above 30 so or 35. Um, so there's going to be some masters in there anyway, but I just thought like, this is the time. Anywho, so I had kind of thrown out the window and uh, Tom was kind of the one to bring it back up and was like, let's fucking go. And I was like, what? Normally he's the one that's like, you know, being more, uh, uh, I say thoughtful or deliberate in decision-making, like really think about that choice and what could, what it means, you know, which I appreciate about him. But this time I was, I was the one doing that and he was like, no, let's send it. What are we doing? We only live once. Let's go. And, you know, we obviously have Ben and Natalie living there so we can go hang out with them and see them and check in, check in with them and all that. So it's just like a perfect timing type of thing. So I just was like, yeah, let's do it then. And we decided to do it. He's doing the uh, Masters International Tournament that is near the same time or the same week as Worlds. Uh, so that'll be fun. A little bit different, but still fun. Anywho, um, that's kind of how we came to the decision to do it, pretty much. And a lot of our teammates have competed at large IBJJF tournaments. Um, you know, they've done really well, sometimes not, but a lot of times they do. And I'm really excited to kind of be what uh, some of my community has called the dark horse or the, 
<laughs> the underdog. Like nobody knows who we are, or where we're coming from, or our names not recognized like some of the or California schools. Um, so I'm excited to go out there and do my best. Okay, so the prep. The preparation, um, Tom and I sat down and just like literally just made a program for ourselves. I started, I think around 158, 158 pounds and my division with, while wearing the kimono or the gi, um, which is super heavy, it's like three to four pounds sometimes. With that on, I needed to be 152.6 at the minimum. And I don't want to be right at the minimum. I need some buffer room because I it'll make me anxious otherwise. So um, my goal is to get down to 145 or 146 um, in time. So we decided into September, October, November, and the first week of December is now, right now, where we're going. So we had a little over two months to prepare. Uh, super short preparation time, <laughs> but it's enough, I guess. Eight weeks is enough. So we planned to, um, first thing we needed to address was our cardio because it was so wrecked from uh, being sick so recently. And that was hard to get over, I'm not gonna lie. The first couple of classes, like we went to, started going to competition class um, and just doing more jujitsu in general, drilling at home, training at the gym whenever we could fit it in. And uh, I just remember that first competition class, I was so like, I literally just questioned my whole life. I was like, maybe this was a bad choice. Maybe I should ask for my money back. Pull out of this tournament, I'm so tired. I literally just like, Tom, it, like, you know, jujitsu is hard and we've had moments, I've had moments, everyone has like really hard days and sometimes you have really easy days and you're providing someone's hard day. Um, but I had a really hard day that day. And, you know, because we've been doing it together for a while, Tom can like sense when, when that is. And he, like, we got in the car and he's just like, so you want to talk about this one or should I put on music so that you can just cry on the way home? <laughs> I was like, throw on the music. <laughs> like, I'm just going to ball. And so I did cry all the way home. Sometimes that feels so good though. You're just like, oh, let it out, whatever, man. And it, I think sometimes it's just our body's way of responding to all of the stimulus. Like jujitsu is highly stimulating. Um, and sometimes you can overdo it. And it's great to have the capacity to push yourself outside of your comfort zone. But um, sometimes when I think you break down, like some people are like, yeah, you're just being a bitch. Okay. I'm like, sure, maybe. But I think that it's our body's way of saying, whoa, way too much. You need to step back a little bit. You're getting a little wild with this overstimulation. Why don't you cool off, take a cold shower, lay down, <laughs> drink some water. <laughs> like, so um that was the, that was the start of camp, champ camp is what we called it. Um, and then it progressively got better. And the last comp class, I've, the last comp classes I've been to have, um, haven't been as, uh, heartbreaking or <laughs> shattering in the same way. And I feel like I'm back in shape, which has been nice. Um, as far as our diet and our nutrition plan, nourishment plan, as I like to call it. Um, I had been literally just willy-nilly for a long time, especially when we were in Illinois, like last year, I just 
gave all my fucks and threw them out the window all every single one of them like (laughs) granted too I was just it was a big shock to go from Colorado to Illinois and not only somewhere in Illinois but like where I grew up like my old hometown where I had always felt like I needed to leave (laughs) when I lived there even being super young I was like I gotta get the fuck out of here like something is telling me you need to leave ASAP like as soon as you're capable go see something else oh my god and so um going back to that I think was a big shock and I don't know I just I was like literally eating donuts for breakfast ice cream for like just going out and buying cake like I was just coping I don't even know what was going on but I was coping in a very unhealthy way and just eating so much just binge eating um on a bunch of sugar and so I gained a lot of weight that's what happens when you continue those patterns <laughs> and so I put on like 100 got up to 162 I think um and I felt okay I was still lifting weights I was still training from time to time it wasn't in the same capacity but Uh, Tom and I were drilling at home a lot. We had like our small little mini dojito. Um, So that was fun, but it was just way less activity in general and way too much food and sugar. So once we moved back to Colorado, um, we jumped right into training a whole bunch because we knew Ben and Natalie were going to move and we wanted to soak up all the classes before they left um, and just spend time with them and, you know, be there for the last, or I guess, yeah, well, it was the last hurrah, but then, you know, they'll be back at some point. Um, but in a way, like sending them off. And so that was really fun and helped like shed a lot. <laughs> so I was able to get down to 155 doing that. And then um, kind of fluctuated around 155 to 158. I decided to obviously start tracking my calories right when we decided to do Worlds and um, started with 1800 and then. S- kind of fluctuated that based on how I trained. So I lost quite a bit just from upping the training and track actually tracking and staying on task with, uh, or on track with calories. And then, um, as we got closer, there was this, there was this like middle point. I remember and it was right at the end of September and the beginning of November where it was like, okay, things are moving, but it seems kind of slow. Like according to what I would like, I could either just say fuck it and move up a weight class and go middle heavy and maybe just get super duper murdered or um I could like really hunker down and just find some more discipline find a little more activity and get down to middle weight and I decided that I was gonna I really wanted to go middle heavy and just like eat whatever the fuck I wanted but I felt good being back to discipline so I decided to do middle and it was worth it it was so worth it oh my gosh um so I got a little more strict and started to do like 1500 on days where I wasn't training or wasn't training hard. And then 1800 on days that I trained hard or sprinted or things like that. Um, and that worked so very well. And then I also made sure, uh, because my cycle was going to come to in the time in this time, I was like, Oh my God, if it comes on the tournament, I'm fucked (laughs) because (laughs) I always, almost always bloat, um, during my cycle. And so I was like really worried about that. And uh, during, there's like um, some ideas around the female hormone cycle and how calories could and should maybe be adjusted during your cycle or certain parts of your cycle, because it's a lot of, it's an extra energy being pulled to 
function and make those things happen down there. So um, oftentimes it's recommended that you bump your calories a little bit around ovulation and around like right before you're gonna start because um, there's a lot going on and they need it needs the fuel to do that. But I was nervous as fuck to do that because I thought this is gonna be the time I bump my calories and I'm gonna be like super over. Guess what? I wasn't and I'd end up dropping a couple of pounds just by following that rhythm of my body. So that was really cool to experience live um, and direct. So also with diet, I want to mention something too. Um, it's It's been like, uh, let's, how do I say this? I haven't felt super hungry at all. I've actually really enjoyed the process of getting back on track and staying under a certain budget calorically. Um, and it's been fun. And I realized that I have all this foundation already on my FitPal of these amazing meals that I know that I love. And I get to hit all the flavors every day if I want to. It's just that I can't take one flavor and just do that flavor, like overdo it. <laughs> That's what I was doing before. Um, so it's actually been really nice and very non-restrictive. I know some people cut weight and it's like they eat fucking spinach and boiled eggs and a piece of toast all day and they're like I'm cutting weight 500 calories having a good time like oh I just cannot do that I don't know how people do it so I was really excited about this prep because I took a lot of the things that we practice and put them into further practice and kind of um, took the slow way that is a little bit more sustainable healthy enjoyable most importantly um, so that was great. I got to eat all the foods I want. I stayed hella carved up during my whole training camp. Um, probably, I mean, I could look at the grams, but who cares about that? Nobody cares about that. But, um, I would say around 200 grams a day, like no, no, like all day, every day, just carved up and still lost. I'm perfectly on weight right now. So I'm really excited about that. Just have a couple of pounds to sweat for the ghee, which put on a sweatsuit and I'll be good to go. So one other thing I wanted to talk about <clears throat> mentality. Um, this training camp was the hardest one for me mentally ever. Like I've trained up for competitions before. Um, for local ones, I, I'm someone who just likes to sign up right at the end, <laughs> like right before the tournament's about to pop off maybe a couple months before. Um, I hate the anticipation. I hate looking at my calendar and being like, six months away, here it comes. Like, oh my God, that, that is the hardest part of competing for me to be entirely honest. So I'm kind of a jumper inner. I'm not gonna lie. And I'm okay with it. Um, so I've had competitions where I've just jumped in and felt fine and sometimes performed awfully, sometimes performed great. Um, and this, this one, I felt like just so much came on top of my brain all at once because I was freaking out quite a bit because it's my first purple belt tournament. Number one, I don't have like a, didn't do like a, um, a throwaway tournament for this at all. I'm just like, whatever, we're just going to test it right away. Um, so I was really, really nervous about that and having a lot of imposter syndrome and a lot of like, I don't deserve this belt. <laughs> a lot of self-doubt and questioning and um, just overall feeling like, 
worthless, <laughs> really, <laughs> feeling like I made a mistake and that I didn't deserve to compete with the best in the world. Um, so that was really hard to, to feel and face and still go and train and still go and try. I know sometimes like, you know, people pour into you at the gym and that's what it's there for. It's there for you guys, for people to pour into each other, really. And um, Tom, Tom pours in a lot to me. And so does, so do all my other training partners and my um, more upper belt coaches like Larry, my black belt and uh, my coach, Devin, who does the wrestling classes and stuff. But I, I just was getting a lot of feedback of like, why are you putting your hands there? <laughs> like, what are you doing? And I was just like already so deep in self-doubt that the additional doubt was just like inflaming it. And it was really hard to face. But um, eventually I came up with some strategies and some ways to deal with this because you can't start thinking this way and then let it trail you all the way into the competition because then you're training your brain to feel and think that way around and during the activity you're, you're trying to be good at and you're trying to win at and those aren't conducive you can't be thinking like I don't belong here while you're in the middle of fighting someone while you're there because you're already there you do belong so like oh did not want to get into that trap so nip that in the bud right away and came up with some affirmations for myself and just remind myself of my personal expectations like sure people want to see you succeed your coaches want to see you win they want to see you get on the podium so do you um but there's this there's this line you have to draw of like and a choice you have to make about how you are going to weight something how heavy you're going to allow it to be for you and I've personally found the heavier I make something the more fucked up I do when I'm trying to do it or the more I mess it up um and stumble. The more I can lighten something up and make it a little bit more playful and fun and exciting, uh, the better I tend to perform. And so all of that is perspective training. You can shape the world with your perspective. And it's pretty insane if you know how to, if you can breathe and learn how to control it. Um, so I've learned to do that with affirmations and it's been super helpful, not only for competing and for jujitsu, but just for life and personal self-esteem and growth and stuff like that. And I'm going to share them with you because I've been saying them for the last month or so, and I, it feels good to say it. And I'm just like, hell yeah. And if you can benefit from it as someone who's a competitive person, then um, even, even better. So there's six of them. I trusted my training and my body knows exactly what to do. I'm present, patient, precise, and powerful. I'm calm, confident, and ready to kill. I can protect myself, and I am hard to kill. I eat the weak. I play my game without hesitation. So a lot of the um, things I experienced when I was in the practice room and training was this like freeze moment of like, wait, do I know what to do here? Instead of just like, trusting and going. And so a lot of my affirmations have to do with just trusting and going and letting your body do what it knows to do. Um, I think when we overthink things and overanalyze things and try to like, uh, like try to put language to what's happening in the moment, I've, for me, that makes me trip and fall every single time when I'm like, wait, is it left hand or right hand? Like, <laughs> by the time I've gotten to right hand, my opponent's taken me down. So it's just like, I really have benefited a lot from my own personal experience in competition, just letting the mind go, letting it go and trusting 
the work that you've ingrained in your body and the reactions that you've ingrained in your body. Um, and that, that honestly, I think helps you be super duper present. And when you can find that level of presence, there's so much clarity that presents itself. Um, there's so much ease in decision-making that presents itself. And so that's kind of been the shift that I decided to take with the mental stuff that came up because it was, it was dark. It was dark and scary, but it doesn't have to be. I'm going to have a lot of fun. And like I said, either way, um, it's an honor to be there. Like I, I never thought I would ever get to do a large world tournament like this. Um, and to be entirely honest, I haven't been super challenged in competitions that I've signed up for. Please note, they have been local and not like really large IBJJF prestigious tournaments, but I have been looking for someone to hand me my ass. So I'm like, maybe this is the time I'm going to find it. <laughs> That's totally cool. Um, but I can't wait. I can't wait. And I'm going to have so much fun. And then I'm really excited to eat some salty popcorn after the tournament. Um, I looked at my brackets. <clears throat> Something my coach that discourages is um, like looking up the people in your bracket and like creeping on them and checking out their matches and trying to game plan and stuff. I did it. <laughs> I shouldn't have done it. You were right. <laughs> I did it a little bit in the beginning and I was like just trying to study some stuff and see what they did and what kind of their go-tos were. You can get a lot of information about someone's flashbang. I call this, a, it's like their it's their like submit in under 30 seconds move. Like they take you down and in, right into an arm bar or they flying triangle you or something like that. I was like, people come, people train just for those flashbang moves and bring them to tournaments like this. And I will not be flashbanged on. And so I was studying <laughs> these girls. And then I decided to stop right away because it doesn't matter what they do in the end of the, the, end of the day. And I'm going to be fighting them regardless of what I do or don't know about them and what matters is what I do so I'm I decided to just throw that out the window real fast and uh stop looking them up and the bracket doubled over two months like I think it started at seven and now we're at 17 so it's over doubled so I'm really really pumped um and just gonna take it one match at a time just same way you take the mountain the other thing that we did to prepare thankfully we are so lucky to live right in the mountains it's a beautiful place to live we can access hiking and trails literally walking out our front door and walk back home and so we have this mountain we really love called red mountain and uh it's pretty freaking steep and it's i think about three miles round trip from our door to the top and we've been running that bitch and it's been so hard but it's so nice to like push that threshold without feeling super sore um, or without the risk of chaos that jujitsu is because <laughs> obviously you want to train jujitsu and get really good at that but to take your cardio push a little bit further um, without the risk of injury or you know unnecessary damage that you're already recruiting from training the running the hills was a beautiful idea and it was great for just like breathing and visualization and pushing yourself when you know you're so fucking tired and you just want to sit on the log and rest. <laughs> it was great for that too. So I had a lot of great moments there um, on the on the mountain and just like using each 
incline as like a match like this is my first match all right we're just we're gonna go I have my accomplice playing too to try to like train my brain as far as you know the whole Pavlov thing like I hear this music this means fight time um so that was really great and there Red Mountain has this really um, long super steep ending like to get to the top and it's great that it's super long compared to all the rest of them and super steep because it's like that's the finals mats bitch and you're like you're so tired already you want to you want to be done you wish you're already at the top and it's like this is the time to push this is the time to like make your legs move even though your body is like we can't <laughs> like you have to you have to so um all in all it's been a really really great training it hasn't gone perfectly it hasn't gone you know I had moments of course where I was like it's not enough I'm not doing enough um but I do feel like I did my best and so that's what matters most and now it's time to just go fucking slay it or get slayed but hopefully and most likely we're going to be doing the slaying um I plan to make it very difficult for whoever is trying to kill me so (laughs) and then uh ideally it would be awesome to make friends you know takes a certain type of person and a certain type of woman to commit herself and to train this way and to um put herself out there like this and those are the kind of women I want to be around so I'm pretty excited just for that alone to um to have the honor and chance to fight those types of women and then to hopefully befriend them (laughs) and get them on my podcast so that's all I have to share about uh the pre-worlds 2021 podcast um that's all i have to share about worlds as we approach it i'm not gonna podcast or do anything like that before um so this is it and then i will talk to you guys after woohoo bye All right, we are back and uh, on the other side of the threshold, (laughs) the other side of worlds. Um, I'm really excited and glad that I decided to do this because it's fun to listen to, listen to like what your, where your brain was and where your mind was um, before like pretty big events. And I think it can be helpful for reflection purposes later. So we're on the other side. We did it. We made it to the tournament. We made weight things were great. So what I'm going to do for this um, podcast is just kind of recap the experience. Um, I'll recap some of my matches too, and then um, provides just some thoughts and things that came up for me uh, personally as I went through the process and journey of doing the tournament. So one thing you'll hear a lot in jujitsu and for people who compete is that the competition is the easy part, that you know all the hard work and all the really challenging stuff is what happens in the um, and the train up for the camp or for the competition. So um, I'm, I hope that you got a taste of that in my last uh, thought stream of all the struggles and ups and downs that kind of happened. And um, I can confirm what they say is true. Competition day is super fun. And um, so just a little bit of background, we went and stayed with our friends in Cali. <clears throat> uh, they live pretty close to the venue. So it worked out really well to be able to stay with them and super thankful that they just like allowed, allowed us to do that. Um, might might not have gone this year if that wasn't the case. So shout out to Ben and Natalie for hosting us and just being um, awesome people like that. And yeah, so we stayed with them. Um, there was a few people that were there and that were competing. And turns out that I was on the last day. I was the last person to compete. 
um, of our cohort, I guess, and four of us competed. Um, our friend Tom, our coach Devin, Tom, my Tom, and then me and Natalie um, all competed. And uh, what I really enjoyed about being last was getting to see everyone, first off, getting to the venue and like being exposed multiple times to the venue and the people and the crowd and the noise and the um, environment multiple times before it was my time to go. I felt like that was super helpful, especially as my first major tournament and first tournament at Purple Belt. I just think uh, it helped take a bit of the the shine, I guess, or the the hype away so that it just became again like, oh yeah, this is what we do all the time. This is just an open mat, but it's fancier and you don't get to keep going if you don't win. <laughs> um, so I found that very helpful. And the other thing that was super helpful and kind of a blessing in disguise, at first I was like, oh, boo, I have to wait till Saturday to compete. More waiting, less time to eat, you know, great, delicious, fucked up processed food. Um, so I was kind of bummed about it when I found out, but then uh, it turned out to be a blessing in disguise because it was nice to watch other people go and people that I'm close to that could share their their thought process, their experience, their mistakes, their wins, um, and the things that they took away from their matches. And then I could take those things and apply them to my matches. Um, maybe didn't do a superb job of <laughs> applying everything that everyone learned, but even just being exposed to it and having... Um, having that in the back of my head, I feel was helpful and um, helped me kind of reduce some nerves as well. Just seeing like, yeah, you just go out there, you, you do what you do and you try and it works sometimes and sometimes it doesn't and then it's over. And that's just, that's competition. There it is. And so it definitely took a bit of the um, astonishment away from me, which I think was beneficial. Sometimes if you're so astonished, it can like uh, freeze you up. Um, Tom and I talk about it and we call it paralysis by analysis. Like it's too much going on. You're trying to analyze everything and it just makes you freeze, um, which is not what you want to do when you're competing. So I was grateful for that. Um, so let's get to just the day of competing. I was super fortunate to go in the morning. I am a morning person. So that worked out really, really well. Um, I would have done well and fine in the evenings, but I just, I feel my best. Like I'm thinking my best, I'm moving my best. Um, in the morning and so I was the one of the first matches to start off the day and uh, I in the morning I was super anxious because I personally am like sometimes I get a little anxious like having to rely on others for things that I want to control especially if it's like in it has to do with my performance that day so like um if I need to be somewhere, if I have a workshop I'm presenting, like, I don't want to rely on someone for rides. I don't want to uh, have to, you know, comply to their schedule and hope that they like are on time. Like I want to, I'll, I'll pay and I will take all of the ownership that I can so that I know I did what I could to do the best. And so that was a little hard for me um, because I, we were relying on our friends to take us to the venue and stuff. And they didn't, they were fine. Like I made it there on time. Everything was good and gravy. Um, but there was that little bit of anxiety, like, I hope they wake up on time. And I hope that there isn't a car malfunction or something crazy goes on, like, who the fuck knows what could happen. Um, and my brain is like kind of a worst case scenario type, like it just it, I have to sort through all those to be able to move forward without um, a whole bunch of anxiety. So I woke up and <clears throat> the night before I actually prepared everything, like I folded my ghee, which is like a nice little ritual thing I do before 
the day before competing, like just get everything packed and nice and ready um, and organized. And, uh, you know, I kind of slept in what I was going to wear under my gi for warming up. So that was one less thing I had to do in the morning. I was really grateful because I did go out um, to eat a couple times, like, and, you know, had a few, had a few little tastes of stuff. And fortunately, I was already on weight well enough. And um, in fact, well underweight, I was losing weight while I was there before the competition. Um, so I was kind of sitting around 144, 145. And um, that you know, was, that was nice. Cause I could like enjoy myself, not overindulge, but, you know, still participate with the fam. So because I was on weight, um, and even while under, I was able to have like a nice big breakfast, big old, like three pieces of toast, some eggs, a little latte. And, um, that was nice. Cause I did want to be fueled. Like I didn't want to have to dehydrate and sweat and like going kind of dry. Um, so I didn't have to do that. Got to drink plenty of water, some Gatorade, um, really like it was, I was really, really pleased and proud of the, uh, preparation as far as weight management went and proper fueling. Really, really glad about that. And it went super duper well. And I ended up still being under by like two pounds, which that's fine with me. I'd rather be a little bit under than right, right at the limit. And like, is it going to be 0.1 over the limit? I don't know. Cause that's straight disqualification. So I was at a perfect spot for, the weight and to um, make sure I was qualified to compete that day. So anywho, we got to the venue, it was super packed and there was a super long line to get into the parking garage. So uh, we got dropped off and walked in, just me, Tom and my coach, Devin. And uh, kind of just, actually I kind of skipped some parts here. In the morning after my breakfast, I did something new, which is something I think I wanna continue to do. Um, I found it really helpful for just breaking up the, you know, the stiffness, the morning stiffness that we have in the, in the, when you wake up. So I did a little bit of just like mobility work. I put on some actually really soothing music, um, Kundalini music. <laughs> if you're familiar with that, it's kind of like chanty, repetitive, smooth yoga music. And that was really nice because those are, those are songs and um, chants and jams that I, have used for a long time for like reducing anxiety and calming down and getting to a, a peaceful inner state. And so I was like, okay, let's, let's start the morning in a place of peace. Um, so I did my mobility and then I also decided to do some Tai Chi, which I hadn't done Tai Chi the whole training camp. And I probably should have Tai Chi is something that, uh, I've been sleeping on, to be honest. I was like all about yoga and they're not much different from each other, but the intention and the approach is a little different. Um, like some people try to use yoga as a workout and they're like holding these postures and you're like shaking and you're trying to hold your breath under this, you know, it's difficult to hold your, or to maintain your breathing flow. And so it's like, it's breathing through strain a little bit. Whereas Tai Chi is like absolute acceptance, absolute softness. You're not doing any forced breathing. Um, for like in yoga, they do Ujjayi breath where it's like, you hear it, it's like, like throughout the whole 
practice, whereas Tai Chi is just your normal breath, um, but you're trying to coordinate to, to movements without too much force. And the whole, the whole purpose of Tai Chi, it's very, very uh, feminine practice, if you ask me, is to move slowly and deliberately and calmly with the, with the natural flow of the breath. Um, and I've found when I do Tai Chi, I just feel like one billion percent better. Um, I found it super helpful for recovery, super helpful for just managing negative emotions or negative uh, sensations. And oof, it's just a great, it's a great thing to do. And um, really glad I did it. I felt like that was really helpful in just squashing any morning nerves or any nerves that I had getting up. <clears throat> so also uh, forgive me for coughing right in your ear. <laughs> I'm going through a little bit of a sinusy thing um, after competing, but anywho, all that went well, hopped in the car, got to the venue, got dropped off, um, was probably one of the first people in the warm-up practice area room, so that was kind of nice, so I had the mats to myself for the most part, um, compared to when I'd seen them throughout the week where they were like super packed and you're running into a bunch of people, so that was really good. I got to do like, um, like, so typically when I do my warm-ups before competing, like I have my own routine, but it's all drills that I've done in class, and I usually go right to the partner drills. Um, in most cases, I was incorporating like some band pulling. So I would have Tom hold the band and I would just send some arm drags or send some collar drags against a resistance band. And then uh, we would move into some more partner based drills. But this time I decided to do like really just just like the beginning of the class, just do some running around the mat, do some side shuffling, some freaking skips, some uh, knee walks or duck walks, you know, just some some good old-fashioned shrimps, <laughs> some grampies, just a bunch of solo drills by myself um, to kind of get into the mindset of like, all right, we're about to do what we do. Here we go. And then um, got into some drills with Tom, starting from the feet. We just did some grip breaking. We did some fit-ins for um, some pieces of my stand-up game. <clears throat> and um, we worked, we did, let's see, I tried to time like some guard pulls and have him pull guard on me and stuff. Um, and then we did some attacks from my guard. We did some guard passing. We just kind of like touched base on all the positions and things that I know. Um, and did we didn't excessively do them. Like I probably did 10 to 15 reps of each one just to like make sure it's there, prime it, make sure I can fire it off, but not exhaust it. And uh, I was really like in the flow of warmups. And then by the time I was feeling like, whew, whew, all right, like we're heart rates up. We got a little sweat. Um, by the time that happened, it was 8.40, and they had announced that the first, if your match was scheduled at 9.30, that you could come check in. So I was like, well, look at that timing. And uh, <clears throat> weighed in one more time with my gi, and I was 150, which was perfect timing. And then, uh, or perfect, perfect on weight. Got my gi checked, made it through, and then I was ready to go. Like, that's the time to get into the zone. So I was chilling in the bullpen, and there weren't very many people in there. Um, I got to see some of my favorite black belts. I thought that was really cool that I got to compete on the same day as the female black belts. So um, that was really, like, just fun. Like, you don't do that in other sports where you're, like, rubbing shoulders with the elite of the sport. So that was really cool and inspiring. And, like, yeah, man, we're, in the, we're sharing the bullpen together. And, I can like maybe absorb some of your some of your fight spirit through osmosis, <laughs> as Devin would say. Um, so that was really fun. And then one thing that I really really enjoy, and I know um, 
this, there's a, a black belt named Christina Barlam. And she, one of the things that has like made her stand out is her dancing before getting on the mats. And I am someone who also like comes from dance. Like I, in high school, that was something I pursued and wanted to, to do. I thought I was going to be like a modern dance performer for a while. Turned out that's really difficult to do and everyone wants to do it. So it's, it's really competitive um, and also super expensive. Anyway, so I just dance for fun now. And you'll, you could ask Tom, like there, anytime I need to like reduce stress or get back into my, like the flow zone was what I call it. Um, a dance, I got to shake out some energy and move it up, move it away. And so I had trained up with this specific playlist, the whole two, two and a half ish months, um, kind of as a, as a trigger, you know, like we have this, we can condition ourselves, like conditioning is a thing. And uh, if you take any psychology classes, you'll learn about it. One of the main ones is Pavlov, um, where he rings a bell, feeds the dog. And then he realized that when he rings the bell, even though the food doesn't come, the dog salivates because it's trained. It's like, oh, that noise means food. And so I Pavloved myself with my playlist. And I was like, okay, this playlist means that we're about to grapple. <laughs> and so I put that playlist on and I was fucking jamming, getting in the zone. Um, and at that point I was, I let all the nerves were gone. Like it all left. I was like, I'm here, I'm doing the thing. I see the mats. I'm so excited. Um, before I even went to the bullpen, I did like a little loop around the venue, just taking in some faces. I went and looked at my mat space because there's like different spaces, you know, um, I think there's up to 10 or 12 or something like that. I was number five. So I was like, okay, let me find my mat space. I'm just going to look at it. I'm going to visualize myself stepping on. I'm going to visualize myself initiating the game the way I want to um, right before I waited in the bullpen. So I'm in the bullpen. I'm dancing. I'm jamming. I'm just like, feeling myself y'all y'all don't even know um in fact I was a little nervous I was about to like bump somebody or accidentally you know bop them in the head because I was wilding out a little bit but it was worth it and it felt great and then uh actually one of the ring I don't know what they're called I was gonna say ring leader but that sounds weird uh ring attendants or I don't know somebody who works at the venue was like they noticed the dancing they were like get a girl and then they started dancing it was like really cute it was like man yeah let's all dance let's let's just try to have fun because a lot of people make things a lot more stressful than they need to be and then uh let's see I think um <clears throat> my coach came up Ben came up to me and kind of had like a little a little chat just you know priming priming some things like this is the fun part you're going out to have fun uh you know, go and play your game. At the end of the day, like, it's just going to be what it is. It's what you do all the time. And I appreciated those, those uh, little tokens you dropped. Those are things that I had been training and telling myself in the train up as well. So uh, it was just like, you know, things I had, I had already heard, but it was just being reinforced by someone else. And um, yeah, I, I felt like I did a good job not putting too much weight on things um, in the last thought stream I mentioned how that in the past in my past experience when I like put too much weight on something and make it really heavy for no fucking reason I end up doing really poorly and I end up it ends up being really stressful and I don't have a good time and I don't I don't do well and so for me the more light the more fun the more playful something is the better I do at it um, so I took that approach so we're jamming and I found out some information about my opponent, um, my first opponent. I didn't know anything about her at all. 
And I learned that she was super duper nervous and, um, you know, kind of might come out with a fury. You know, sometimes if you're really nervous, all this adrenaline dumps and you're just like wiling out because you, you, that's how your body responds to it. So they were kind of like letting me know if she comes out wild, like it's okay. Just don't let it, don't let that energy overwhelm you, all that stuff. And I was like, thanks. And then I don't threw it out the window <laughs> pretty much. Um, so we walk over, we're watching um, the first match go. And I noticed that Gappy Garcia is on the mat right next to us. And I was like, fuck yeah, that's crazy. Because uh, I've watched some of her matches and she's pretty well known in the jujitsu community. Um, so that was cool. Like I said, rubbing shoulders with with pretty awesome people. Got to say hi to Elizabeth Clay, who I took a seminar from. So it was cool to see her again. And yeah, so we step on the mat and it's time to go. And at this point, like I said, like all the nerves are gone and I'm just so excited to be there and so excited to finally do what we've been visualizing and planning to do, which is compete. Um, so touch the mat, do my little squat. I think to myself, I, I have this little, um, this little yoga chant or phrase. It's like a peace chant. Um, and it has something, it says, I don't know the direct translation from Sanskrit to English, but it's something to do with like, may all beings experience love, light, and peace in their life or something like that. And I say that to myself before stepping on the mat, just because at the end of the day, I don't want to leave hurt. I don't want to hurt anyone like catastrophically because I know that they have lives, families, jobs likely that they need to get back to. And the more people that are hurt, the less people are training, the less better jujitsu is all together because that's less people on the mat. And so I, I will send it if someone's stubborn and that's on them. But at the end of the day, like I, I do truly wish peace for all of my opponents um, and that we can both leave not catastrophically injured. And so I say that for myself, for the people I'm competing and for everyone at the venue, um, that they can have that kind of experience. Some people leave injured still, and that's kind of a part of the game, but I try to make sure that the space around me does not have room for that. Um, so I say my little chant, get on, shake hands with the ref, shake my opponent's hand, um, and and we come botch, we, we compete. And I felt like um, in the beginning of my first match, I like, I sent some things that I wasn't super confident with, like a uh, collar drag to boot scoop, like trying to pull them, pull them down to the mat to grab a leg or take them down. It was not very successful. I ended up getting back up. Um, and then I just was like rocking this girl, like constant collar drags, just trying to send her to the mat. And she was running forward at me, kind of running us out of bounds a little bit. Um, and I ended up like collar dragging her so much so that she ended up pulling guard and on the drag, I ended up into a triangle because I wasn't, I was not dragging properly. <laughs> I was, I was dragging like super extended and my hips were all back and it looked all fucked up. Um, and looking back, I probably should have stayed a little bit tighter and put my hips into the drag a little bit more for it to be successful, like commit to the ground instead of just like whipping like a rag doll, whipping her. I do think though that it was uh, startling for her and it kind of scared her a little bit. Um, and then I got stuck in her triangle and I had been in, I throughout camp, I'd been in so many people's triangles and more than I ever have ever, um, which is funny. And I'm glad that I was because, you know, I'd been in some of my coaches triangles and I, I like 
in a triangle, it's easy to, it's sometimes it's easy to like breathe still, but you might be losing blood to your brain at the same time that you're allowed to breathe. So I needed to do a quick assessment there. Um, and meanwhile, her coach is telling her to attack my arms that she has exposed and stuff like that. And she tried, she tried a little wrist lock. She tried to extend into an arm bar, but I like, I could feel that I was much stronger than she was. Um, so like I just hunkered down and protected my arms and waited for her legs to burn out a little bit and tried to do a little wiggle, 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 wiggle to get out of there. Um, I, I like played with standing up, sitting down, trying to put my feet over her, all kinds of stuff just to get out of the triangle. And I thought, damn it, this is the last thing I wanted to happen was like this freaking uh, flashbang shit to be done to me and die in the first minute. Um, but I was patient and I knew I could breathe and I knew I could still hear my coaches. I knew I could feel that the triangle was not on my neck necessarily. It was kind of on my jaw um, for the majority of it. So I still had some blood flowing to my brain. I did hear like part of my skull crack a little bit or something cracked in there. I was like, I don't know what that is, but it don't hurt right now. We just going to keep on going. Eventually I was able to wiggle, wiggle, wiggle and get my head out. And actually she, uh, her coach had kind of told her to adjust her triangle like you need to cut the angle and tighten it and as soon as she went to adjust I was able to wiggle my head out and then move right into a guard pass and then we got reset from that the match was I dominated the rest of the match like as soon as I got out of that triangle and I was on top girl did not stand a chance um there were some times where she off balanced me from the top with like some lockdown positions in half guard and whatnot but I was able to work out of those eventually was really proud of my uh, leg pummeling in this match. And like anytime she tried to regard or push my foot back into a half guard, I was able to kind of defend it with just my feet all while keeping uh, head and arm control. Um, and something that I probably should have worked on, like at this point, I feel like she's a little bit broken. And I, I was giving her some serious shoulder of justice, um, which is like shoulder pressure into her neck and chin. Um, and I could feel like, I could feel the defeat in her body a little bit. Fortunately for me, like looking back, I kind of held onto the head too long, especially um, when I transitioned to mount because she could have surely bump and rolled me or trap and rolled me, but she didn't. And uh, my coaches were telling me to like, you know, posture up, get to high mount and start, start getting to work for the submission. But I'd racked up so many points. I think I was at like 18 points um, at this point, just from transitioning from neon belly. Every time she tried to regard, I would pummel out and get to neon belly again. That's more points. And so, uh, I, I definitely wanted the submission. Um, and towards the end, when I knew I didn't have much to lose, I was like trying to send it. But I didn't want to, like she had, I, you know, that's on me. I could have could have worked a little bit harder to get the submission, but I was really happy with my performance. Really glad that I won my first match because my, my big goals going into competing was not to get catastrophically injured and not to get submitted. Um, because one of our gym phrases is, hard to kill and that's what I want to be um sure you may we may you may defeat me in sport and you may get a bunch of points and like woohoo and that might say something but um I really wanted to avoid being submitted because that you know that shows like total dominance a little dominance yeah that'll happen sometimes but anyway second match so this match happens I'm all jazzed up I got my jitters out uh also, side note, did not mention this, but going into the competition, I had fucked up my neck really bad and I hadn't trained a bunch during the week. Um, I usually don't. I 
stick to drilling and just moving through my game plan lightly, keeping it in my mind. Um, I don't like to do a bunch of hard training right before I'm going to compete because I want to have a fresh, I want to be fresh as far as like physically and um, mentally too. I think there's something to say for this concept of disassociation where if we are so uh, attached to some, to an activity or to a specific outcome or a process and we're like, we are hyper-focused for too long, it can actually prove to be a detriment to our performance and the outcome later. And there is, um, there's science that speaks to the benefit of taking a fucking break and, and disassociating, pretending like you don't care about the outcome, the process is stopped, it's not, you're not a part of it anymore, and then coming back to it. And every time you come back, you come back stronger. And so um, I've used that to my ability and I practice that. And that's just what I've done all of my competitions and I've um, had success doing that. So I continued. But anyway, I was helping my teammates warm up and uh, I don't know if it was from sleeping funny on these like big old plush pillows. My pillows are like flat and flimsy and I fold them up and stuff and they're not as like firm. I don't know if it was from that or if it was from um, inverting too early without like really warming up super well or if it was from pulling these hard collar drags without warming up too well. It could have been a combination of all of those things. But long story short, it fucked up my neck pretty bad. And I was like, really upset that I was like, you know, not physically my best going into compete. And then I got put in this triangle and it was on the side that I was all fucked up on. And I was like, dang it, oof, not looking too good for the neck. But anywho, I survived, did not get further injured and uh, came out on top with a pretty dominant performance. But my second match was a little, a little less dominant. And uh, I had, this was one of the opponents that I had studied and I should not have. But uh, to be totally honest, the setting didn't help me at all. Like I knew that she was going to pull guard. I knew that she was going to try to jump some shit and she jumped guard probably like four or five times during the match. And I had no answers for it. Um, And that's on me, I would say. Uh, One thing that came out of that match that Tom had mentioned is like understanding pattern recognition in the moment and like seeing, okay, well, this has happened two times every time I've stood up and we've gotten to the feet. So maybe I could time it this time and do something a little bit different. And I did not. Um, I was just a little bit slower and she knew what she wanted. And that was the difference between her and I in the match. For me, um, I still am working on the boundary and balance of what my game is and what's available. Because I don't want to be so focused on what my game is that I missed something that's available that I could capitalize on. And that I think being in that weird middle space is the reflection of how that match went because it happened so many times where I was in that weird middle space. And I know part of the thing I talked about in my train up um, and that I tried to address with some affirmations and even just performing better in the training room was this principle of hesitation of um, getting to positions and then and and thinking like, wait, is this right? And like having that small second of doubt. And I think that was the difference between her and I's performance. And she she didn't have doubt. She knew what she wanted. She wanted to jump close guard. She wanted to attack from guard. Um, and I, I felt like I did okay dealing with her close guard. And I think it actually frustrated her quite a bit because shit didn't just pop off like it does in her other matches. She's actually a pretty successful competitor. Um, and so that was, that was a win for me. But what I think I could have done better is had a more solidified game plan and um, a little bit more pattern recognition and understanding 
how to shift different answers based on the same question that's being asked. So like she asked this question of what are you going to do when I jump guard? And every time I was like, uh, I don't know, deal with it when we get there. <laughs> so I think being a little bit more proactive with those answers, especially when I knew that it was going to be the same question over and over again, um, would have, could have changed things and how that went. Some other things that happened in that match, um, I did end up, she got a lot of points on me. She ended up I ended up pulling guard. And the funny thing is I've only jumped guard once in competition and it went really fucking well for me. And it ended up actually turning into a takedown where I ended up on top. What? Yeah. And so, uh, I, I didn't, I don't train jumping guard ever. Um, it's not something we like focus on and it, it, because like, it wasn't even an option in my head, to be honest. Um, and so when I pulled guard, I pulled with foot on the hip and, it was not purposeful. I, I talk about, um, I think I learned that from Chris Harder one, one time when he was over for a seminar was if you're going to pull guard, pull with purpose and like pull into an attack. Don't just pull and sit on your ass and wait for something to happen. And I had made that really effective um, change to pulling and, and put that into practice into competition in some of my blue belt matches. But um, for this, like she was ready to, she was ready to address that. And I gave her the time too. And I didn't pull into a specific guard or a specific attack or anything like that. I just pulled and I was like, let's hope I can close this. And I could not. Um, so she, she ended up, and I was trying to like, in the moment, I was like, wait, what guard applies here? And I think I was just overthinking entirely, um, which can make it look like you're not thinking at all <laughs> in your match. Uh, so I feel like that was what was going on there. But um kudos to her for, for knowing what she wants. And I think that, I think that's really the difference between a fresh purple belt and a, and a really seasoned purple belt is like a seasoned purple belt knows what they're good at. They know how to get there and they don't comply until they get there. Um, they don't, they don't see like, hmm, what's available here. They don't give that moment. They're just like, I'm going to, I'm going to create what's available here. Um, and I think that that's the difference. And that's something that I need to grow into. And I'm really excited and grateful for that match. Um, I feel like I learned so much just seeing, seeing and feeling um, another competitive purple belt and, and the difference. So uh, yeah, so she beat me on points, but I didn't get submitted. So I was really, really happy about that. Um, and I, and I gave her hell, you know, there were some moments that could have gone better and there were moments that went pretty well, I think, but uh, that's just, that's how it goes in competition. That's how you find out where you're at. That's how you test yourself. And that's how you grow further into becoming better. So with that said, um, overall, I was really, really happy with my performance. I know some people who are like super duper, like jujitsu is life. I need to be the best fighter in the world. Anything other than a win is a failure. And I need to overanalyze and pick this apart and become super duper great and never let this happen again. Like, I have a bit of that in me, but I have an equal and balanced amount of acceptance and understanding that this is how it goes sometimes. And now we have a tool and we have reference to move forward from. Um, so I wasn't super broken down by it. Like some people will just like ball and they don't lose very gracefully. And it's like, oh my God, the world title. It's my last chance. I fucked it up. Like I did not feel that way. I have a a, a very um, long-term based uh, goal with with jujitsu. You know, some people are 
the types that want to, like they think this is the only time my body's going to be in its prime and I have to train hard every day and I need to um, become a world champion like now, right fucking now as an adult today. And like, I, I know what that requires and I know that I'm not willing to give that. And so I don't have that kind of goal. I have a goal that is personal to me. And my ultimate goal is to one, keep having fun. I do jujitsu because it's fucking fun. It's even fun when you're not the one winning. How about that? Um, just this, just the privilege to play the game is a good time for me. So that's my number one goal. My number two goal is longevity. I want to be able to have fun doing jujitsu for a long time. And that doesn't necessarily mean training every day. That doesn't necessarily mean becoming a world champion. Um, at the end of the day, it means being consistent over a long period of time. And, and that doesn't, you know, there's this phrase that we have um, for middle ground fitness and it's long-term consistency beats short-term intensity. Short-term intensity is training every day for me. Like that's, I can do that, but I cannot do it forever. And I don't want to do it forever. Um, long-term consistency for me is training like twice a week, sometimes three times a week if I want to turn it up. Um, because there's a lot of other things that I like to do and a lot of other, uh, you know, practices and habits and things that take time that I like to pour into. And if you want to be a world champion, you need to pour it all of your, all of your eggs into one bucket of training. Um, and that makes sense, especially at the highest level at black belt. So that's just kind of where I'm at with it. And, and a little bit of background as to why I was very happy with my performance. Um, I had set realistic goals and ironically, this is not typical for me. Like typically I try to set the bar super high. I get really, really down on myself and I beat myself up for not being able to meet this like super high standard. Um, knowing damn well, as when I set the goal that it's not something I want to like, that the bar is set too high, that it's a little bit out of my reach. Um, and so it was a huge practice and a huge accomplishment for me to set realistic goals and put forth a realistic effort to meet those goals. And like I mentioned, those goals were just not to get submitted and not to get catastrophically injured. And the other goal I had was to not lose in the first round. Um, so I met all those goals and I was really, really happy about that. Anything on top was frosting on the cake. Um, so that's kind of, kind of how I looked at things so that it wasn't like this detrimental experience because at the end of the day, it's nobody gives a shit. Like half the people in the world don't even know what jujitsu is really. And like I mentioned, I, I don't, I don't, uh, it, I, I'm not someone who puts jujitsu on a pedestal. Like people are like, jujitsu is life and anything else is dog shit. You know, I don't agree with that. <laughs> um, I, I just don't. And I, don't plan on putting it on a pedestal at any point in life either. I just, like I said, I like to do it for fun. I like the problem solving part of it. I like the, the game aspect of it. I like the physical part of it, um, but at a certain threshold. And, you know, some people really love spicy food and some people just don't. And that's, that's okay to have different tastes and desires and likes and dislikes. And um, I'm someone who does not like spicy food. And I don't like pohada every day. I like pohada every couple of days, a couple times a week. <laughs> so to be able to be that kind of practitioner and still hang with some of the highest 
level competition was was awesome for me to experience and actually made me more excited to train and more excited to sharpen some of the to some of the gaps in my game. Um, and I think that can be done in the method that I choose to do it. So I'm pretty excited for life and for more competitions. I actually, um, I had for a little while been like kind of meh about IBJJF and I still am. Like there's some controversy with them I, and there's controversy in all communities, no matter what you're doing, whether it's jujitsu or fucking racquetball, there's going to be, you know, an underbelly to every subculture. And there's, there's definitely some of that with the IBJJF, but I did like the competition style. It was nice to be back on those mats. It was nice to be um, just in that type of competition environment. Because the other ones that I'd been used to were round robin style, where it wasn't like, this is all you have. Like, this is, it's this match. And if you don't win this match, you're done. They, that's how IBJJF works. The other ones that I had done more locally, like grappling industries, were more were round robin. So even if you lost your first match, you still had other matches. You could still fight your way back um, and make a comeback to a podium and stuff, which I think is great too, because you get a lot of experience. And sometimes you get to face the same person twice, which I really enjoy because it's like, yeah, bitch, I got another chance. Ha ha. You're not catching me with that this time. Um, so that was really cool. But what that doesn't train is the immediate, like, capitalizing on pattern recognition in the match like you don't get another chance to roll with this person so you have to recognize it right now and do something about it right now not in the next match and that's something I learned is a little bit different between the different competition uh, formats so yeah overall I'm really glad we did it really glad like committed and went through with it I know there was a lot of doubts and there was a lot of like why the fuck did I sign up I'm just gonna get submitted in the first round and I didn't, so that was good. I almost did, um, but man, I'm a stubborn ass bitch. Like it's gonna be hard to submit me, and I might die on the process. If you, <laughs> I'd I'd more be more likely to go out than to tap, especially at worlds. And uh, I actually in the train up, I was talking about how I have I've yet to go out. Like I haven't been put to sleep yet. <laughs> Knock on wood. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's that's post worlds, guys. I know I'm already like thinking like, what's next? Is there another one? I want to sign up for another IBJF um, because they make you do like a membership fee and it only seems right to maximize that and compete as much as possible while I have it for the year. Um, and next year's master. So it'll be a totally different division, a little bit. Um, something about that people say about masters is like masters are, are like in the adult division, you can run into people who literally have been training all of their lives. They've been homeschooled. They started when they were five. Um, Jiu-jitsu is like a, like a, they don't even think about it. Like it's just ingrained into their being um, because of how long they've been training. And sometimes you can meet that person at 18 and they're, it's basically like facing a black belt. Um, and they're super young. They got all this like, you know, vitality and stuff. And it can make that division very, very difficult because um, you don't know when or who those types of people are. And so um, you can just get fucking bulldozed and that's how it goes. In the master's division, it's a little bit more, there's more likelihood to meet other hobbyists who like to compete. People who have families, they have jobs, they have other lives, they live, they they have other lives outside of just training jujitsu and being a jujitsu athlete. Um, and so it can be a little bit more 
of a measuring stick, a more realistic measuring stick for um, seeing how you rank amongst your peers. But you always have the option of registering in the adult division. So it's kind of cool that they, you have the option um, to like face potentially some fucking phenoms or face some family men or family women who, um, who kind of have a similar level of commitment to jujitsu as you do. So anywho, thanks for listening. If you have questions or um, anything, you can always find me on Instagrams. I did change my personal handle uh, to Miss D Fit. <laughs> uh, it was Miss D B J J, and I. It's funny because I just became a purple belt this summer, and the in the train up for Worlds, like I learned really fast that I am not the jujitsu person. Like I love to train, like I mentioned, but I'm not the one that's like jujitsu for life. And I figured because I'm not like that, I should fucking take that out of my handle. I do care about being healthy and fit and feeling well and having, you know, positive impact on people around me and myself. Um, and that, that is what fitness means to me. So I was like, yeah, I think that would be more fitting, <laughs> no pun intended, um, for my like brand or whatever you want to call it. So it's Misty, M-I-S-S-D-E-E-F-I-T. Um, that's my personal handle, or you can check out Women's HLC on Instagram. Um, I don't post very much to Women's HLC. I'm thinking about revamping that and uh, bringing some more organization to it. It's more for um, like Women's HLC is like the one that is more geared towards like women's health and wellness. And sometimes there are times where I think jujitsu conflicts with women's health, to be entirely honest. Um, it can be balanced, but when when done in the grind or die way, I don't think it's conducive to women's health. Um, so I, I kept those separate for a little while, but you can check out either one of those or um, yeah, podcast is on all platforms. If you just look up Women's Healthy Living Club and I'll catch you on the next one. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you for letting me speak to your ears. And as I say, good day.